You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. Everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse, along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving week and have had a chance to spend some time with family and friends and whatever you like to do during that Thanksgiving time here at Tribe Talk. We like to, on occasion, take a look back at some great moments in Cleveland Indians history, and it's been a couple of years since we've done this, but the last time the Indians won the World Series championship was 1948. And in our great archives, we do have radio coverage of that 1948 World Series, the play-by-play of that World Series. And what we'll do at a couple of times during this holiday season, both this weekend here, Thanksgiving weekend, and then when uh, we reach the Christmas time and also New Year's time, We will replay some of that series, the radio coverage of that series back in 1948 when the Indians defeated the Boston Braves four games to two in that best-of-seven series between the Indians and Boston. Not the Red Sox, but the Braves when they used to be located in Boston as a National League team. So what we'll do this week is focus in on game three which was the first home game for the Indians in that World Series. They played the first two up in Boston, then the next three right here in Cleveland at Old Municipal Stadium. And then uh, the clincher was a game six on a Monday afternoon at Braves Field in Boston. So we'll zero in on game three, which turned out to be, and uh, if you don't want to know, cover up your ears, just earmuff it for just a bit. But uh, the Indians defeated Boston by a final score of 2 to nothing. But some great backstories will be joined throughout the show today by Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio, who has great perspective and insight into uh, some of the stories that surrounded that 1948 World Series. So stay with us as we will get to the, the pregame show and the pregame coverage leading into Game 3 of the 1948 World Series as Tribe Talk gets rolling after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And as mentioned in the open, special show for you today and the first of a couple during this holiday season. We'll get to the others around that Christmas and New Year's time. But we wanted to take a look back at the 1948 World Series. We have 
dusted off a show or shows from a couple of years back and brought them out of the archives, Whew. got the dust off and, and uh, ready to roll with some audio footage of some of the calls of that 1948 World Series, the last time the Indians won the World Series as they defeated the Boston Braves in a six-game series, winning four of the six games. The clincher coming in Boston at Braves Field on Monday, October the 11th, the last time the Indians clinched a World Series championship, 1948. So what we'll do this week, we'll zero in on the first home game for the Tribe in that series as they return home from Boston in a series that was even up at one win apiece after the Braves took game one, one nothing. Indians bounce back with a 4-1 to victory that Thursday. And then Friday, no travel day, Friday, October the 8th, here in Cleveland, the Indians and the Boston Braves would have at it. Now, throughout our show today, we will be joined by Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio, about as accomplished as they come when it comes to Indians history. And as Bobby D says, as we led into that game, 1948, even before the postseason, was a special year for Cleveland Indians fans. Well, back in 1948, they went 20-6 in September, having to... Uh, uh, play the uh, Boston Red Sox in a historic playoff game, the first ever in the American League. But let's uh, just go back to 1948 and, and talk about that baseball team. Um, tribes coming off a 47 season, a 1947 season, in which they had a winning record. They went 80-74, and 74, but they finished in fourth place, 17 games behind the pennant-winning New York Yankees at that time. And uh, we moved to 1948. Lou Boudreaux's the manager. Uh, he is the player manager of the baseball team. It's his seventh season as player manager for the Cleveland Indians. It all began in 1942 at the age of 24. Think about that, Rosie. At the age of 24, Bill Veck tabs him as his player manager, a shortstop, no less, a demanding position. But at 24, he leads a group, um, and he's now in his seventh year and uh, is a 30-year-old leading the Indians uh, eventually on to a World Series. And how they got to that point was unique for that period of time, extremely unusual during that time that the Indians would have to go through that to get to the World Series. 1948 Indians, they post a record of 96-58, and 58, but it only ties them with the Boston Red Sox for the American League pennant, making necessary uh, the first ever playoff game in American League history. Uh, but before we dive into that historic playoff game and, and the World Series victory, let's share with our uh, audience some fun facts about the 48 season, Rosie. The Tribe scores 140 runs back then in 154 games. You score 800 more runs nowadays, you're, you're doing well. Uh, but the, And they only allowed 500 and 68. Think about that differential. It's almost 300 uh, run differential, which uh, showed their dominance. 2.6 million fans were attracted to Cleveland Municipal Stadium, tops in the American League. Uh, nobody had attracted that many fans at that time, so obviously Cleveland fans um, really went at it. When you look at, at everything that went into this uh, World Series coming to Cleveland, 
for just the second time. They had won it back in 1920. We'll pick up the national radio broadcasts with their pregame show prior to Game 3. The first two games of the World Series were in Boston against the Boston Braves. The team split those two games. But to give you an idea of the feeling in town, we pick up the pregame show with Mel Allen and Jim Britt on the national radio call. Gillette's Camel Cade of Sports is on the air. From Municipal Stadium in Cleveland, Ohio, Gillette presents the World Series. Good afternoon, baseball fans everywhere. This is Mel Allen with Jim Britt greeting you for the Gillette Safety Razor Company as the Boston Braves and Cleveland Indians get ready for their third game in this 1948 championship series. Gillette is on the air the year-round with on-the-spot reports of leading sports events. Gillette also broadcasts the major boxing match of the week every Friday night. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in 28 years, the World Series has come to Cleveland. And it has come to them with a suddenness, in a manner of speaking, that set off a celebration on Monday night after the Cleveland Indians had defeated the Boston Red Sox in the American League playoff. It set off a spontaneous celebration that was described by the cab driver that brought us from the railroad station to the ballpark as similar to the VJ Day celebration. There were some 67 cars on several special trains that left Boston last night that brought the World Series working crew, and that, of course, includes the two uh, special baseball teams' trains, to Cleveland. Some of them were a little late getting away, some of them a little late arriving, but everybody is here despite the fact that there was uh, a sort of a hurried, last-minute touch to it all, and that's more or less in keeping with the way the Indians won the pennant. They won it at the last minute, and so the excitement is still here, uh, sort of left over from Monday, you might say, and the fans are very much... Uh, uh, very much excited about seeing their team in a World Series. This is something they've been dreaming about, mind you, since 1920. It was in 1920 that the Cleveland Indians won their last pennant. And let us talk about the Cleveland Indians for just a little while. We talked about the Boston Braves when we opened the World Series up in Boston. And we shall have uh, a lot to say about the Boston Braves, too. But as the series scene shifts from the banks of the Charles River in Boston, from the wigwam of the Boston Braves to the teepee of the Cleveland Indians on the shorefront of Lake Erie in Ohio... We'll talk for the moment about these Cleveland Indians who waged a very successful and exciting pennant campaign to win the American League pennant in overtime. And they have come here to Municipal Stadium today to continue waging warfare against the Boston Braves in this third game of the 1948 World Series. It's going to be Gene Bearden, the left-hander, going against Vern Bickford, the right-hander. Yes, sir, the weather here today is certainly... Oh, there went a... Well, just listen. couple of rockets. That's a typical Bill Vick demonstration. One of the greatest showmen in baseball. And uh, Bill likes to set off the rockets and the fireworks whenever he has the opportunity. It's just hard to say the weather today is more conducive to... Uh, to football. And speaking of football, while the rockets resound in the background... Reminds me that my good friend Champ Pickens down in Montgomery, Alabama, is going to have one of the nicest Christmas presents in the pigskin world that you could possibly imagine. The annual Blue-Gray game on December the 25th, which will uh, come to you folks over many of these uh, same uh, mutual stations. That's December the 25th. Champ is getting into the hospital. And uh, I hope he gets out in good shape because we're all going to look forward to that wonderful football Christmas present December 25th, the Blue-Gray game. 
which will come to you under the sponsorship of the Gillette Safety Razor Company over many of these uh, mutual stations. Now the umpires have come to home plate, ladies and gentlemen. The lineups are just about ready. They were a little late in uh, being given out today by the respective managers, but my co-worker, Jim Britt, has them, and uh, he's been running around in this uh, murky weather trying to get the lineup for some reason. Or other. They were, they, there's, all, there's all this confusion that we mentioned during the beginning because of the late arrival of trains today, and uh, everything is just on a little late basis. That is the pregame show prior to Game 3 of the 1948 World Series. Stay with us. We'll be back with the first pitch and the top half of the first inning when we return after this timeout as Tribe Talk continues on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio as we take a look back at the 1948 World Series Last time, the Indians won the world championship, defeating the Boston Braves four games to two. Game three was in Cleveland. The series was tied at one win apiece, and Gene Bearden was on the hill as we pick up the radio broadcast in the top half of the first inning. To review the series so far, Johnny Fane bested Bob Feller in the first game by a score of one to nothing, and yesterday Bob Lemon came back to pitch superbly against the Boston Braves and set them down with one unearned run at eight hits. While for Boston, Spawn, Barrett, and Potter toiled, Spawn taking the defeat. Tommy Holmes will be the first man up for the National League champions, and he has one hit in eight official trips to the plate. He drove in the winning run in the first game, you'll recall, and today he'll be looking at something he hasn't seen in the National League, namely a southpaw knuckler, because Bearden throws a good knuckleball. Holmes is a left-hander, left-handed Bearden gets that, here's the first hit, and it's outside a fastball for ball one. There was no batting practice, nor was there any infield practice because of the inclement weather. The tarpaulin was on the field and was removed only at the last moment, and there were all kinds of wild rumors about the postponement of the game, none of which was based on fact. The outfield is set to the left a bit, and there seems to be apparently no wind. Whatever there is is blowing out toward left center. Here's the pitch. There's a drive that goes on the first hop to Boudreau. His quick throw to Eddie Robinson is in time for the first out of the game. It was a line drive that kicked up the dirt at the feet of the Cleveland manager. And Tommy Holmes is out six to three, short to first. Alvin Dark, the Braves shortstop, comes up. He has a total of just one hit in eight official trips to the plate. The Braves, of course, have had only ten hits so far in the series play, while Cleveland has had twelve. There are persons still arriving here, and it's far from filled at the moment, but it is, of course, a sellout. Bearden winds up to pitch to Dark, the first pitch. That took off. That might have been a knuckleball. It was high and wide to a right-handed batter, and the count is one ball. You never saw such confusion in your life as a result of the late arrival of the train. Cleveland was a veritable madhouse. Bearden winds up. Here's the pitch. Swing on this. One and one. That was a curveball that broke over to a right-hand batter. Johnny Cooney is doing the coaching for the Braves at first base, and Billy Southworth, the Boston manager, is doing the coaching at third. The Braves, of course, are wearing their uniforms of traveling gray, and today the Clevelanders are wearing their white home uniforms. The wind-up, the pitch, low for ball two, two balls, one strike to count. The scoreboard is in dead center field, and because of the batting background, that section is unoccupied. It's all green, and an excellent background is provided for the batters. Bearden takes his wind-up. Here's the pitch, foul ball. That comes back into the crowd, and the count is two balls and two strikes. In the on-deck circle is Mike McCormick, Jeff Heath, broken ankle and crutches, 
is still with the Boston Braves. He's a former Clevelander, you know. When the Braves arrived this morning, there were approximately 15,000 gathered at the depot, hopeful that the first contingent would be their own beloved Cleveland Indians. Two and two to count on Dark. He stands straight away. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It was a curveball. And Dark strikes out. That's the second out of the first inning. And Mike McCormick comes up. Mike McCormick has been at bat six times in the series and has two hits. He got two of the eight hits Boston collected yesterday. And Earl Torgerson, who is not in this batting order, got two more. McCormick is a right-hander from Ventura, California. The outfield straight away, not deep. Here's the pitch from Bearden. And it's a swing and a miss. He threw in a tantalizing slow curveball. McCormick seemed to be off balance and swung rather anemically at it. And the count is one strike. There are two men out, nobody on. The outfield not deep. The deepest is left fielder Dale Mitchell. The pitch. Swing and a miss. Fast curveball that broke down almost in the dirt. Bearden has been great for the Indians this year. The greatest game he pitched was that five-hitter. The payoff game against the Boston Red Sox. Last Monday, the game that brought Cleveland his first league championship in 28 years. Bearden says yes to the sign. Winds up, fires one, strike three, swinging. Bearden turned in a great first inning. No runs, no hits, no errors, and none left for the Braves. The score is nothing, nothing. So the teams were scoreless heading to the bottom half of the first inning. We'll pick it up with some run scoring action for the Tribe and what would turn out to be a 2-0 victory in front of their home fans in Game 3 of the 1948 World Series when we return after this break on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you, joined by Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio as we take a look back at the 1948 World Series. The Indians winning the world title four games to two over the Boston Braves. Let's listen in to the bottom half of the fourth inning. Again, it's game three of the 1948 World Series. The Indians and Boston Braves tribe in front by a score of one nothing, heading into the bottom of the fourth as we pick up the action. has a one nothing lead despite the fact the Indians have been out hit by the Braves 3 to 1 Bearden has been very effective the pitch and that's outside Keltner was all set to swing and decided to let that fast one go it's 3 and nothing and again Billy Southworth has given the wag sign to the bullpen and Bill Boisel starts winding up he's a big right hander the ex-giant the wind up Bigford pitches Ball four. That's the fifth base on ball. Bickford is given in three full innings. He's been wild, but he has been effective. Had there been perfect support, we'd be watching a nothing-nothing baseball game. But Cleveland cashed in the break. In the first game, it was the Braves who cashed in the break. And yesterday, break or not, Lemon was too good. Walt Judnick, the right fielder, is the batter. He got the second base on balls his first time up. He has no hits in four World Series trips. And he's a left-hander. Strike called a curveball that curved over the outside corner. Walter is wearing a turtleneck sweater, as is Bill McKechnie and as are some of the other Indians. The outfield is deep to the right. Tommy Holmes in right field is out on the track at the 300-foot mark. The pitch, fastball high. One and one. 
They played Judnick as a pull hitter. One ball, one strike. This is the last of the fourth, with Cleveland leading the Braves in the third game of the World Series, 1-0. Here it comes. There's a high foul ball that is going out of play. Back into the stands, about 20 feet beyond Macy's reach, to the right of the screen, back of the plate. One ball, two strikes. Canaster apparently has been waved over even more deeply into right center field. And he's stationed at about the 350-foot mark. About 30 feet short of the 380-foot sign. Bickford takes a stretch. Gellner leads off first. Strike three, swinging. That was a curveball that seemed to take off. It had a lightness about it. And that's the first strikeout for Bickford. One man out, first baseman Eddie Robinson comes up. He flies out to left field, his first time at bat. He has one hit and seven trips. Bickford comes from New Canton, Virginia. A right-hander, he pitches, and there's a drive to left field for a base hit. And it is held to a single with Keltner stopping at second as a result of alert fielding by left fielder Mike McCormick. Three of the Braves went over to back up at third base. That was hit on a line, and it gives Robinson two out of eight for the series. That is the second Cleveland hit. Jim Hegan, the Cleveland catcher, comes up. He has one hit in seven trips. His first time up in this game, he fouled out to the catcher. Outfield moves around to the left a bit. Boisell continues to bear down, warming up. Here's the pitch. There's a drive that goes to center for a big hit. And that's the field for on the second box. Here's the throw to third, and it's 2 nothing in favor of Cleveland. Kellner had no trouble sprinting all the way to the plate. And rather than throw to the plate and give Robinson an opportunity to go all the way to third base, Sinatra threw to third base. So their runners on first and second. Keegan has driven in a run. The second Cleveland run of the game, the sixth Cleveland run of the series. The Indians lead 2-0, and Gene Bearden comes up. The infield is in a little on the left side. Bearden doubled and scored a run his last time at that. There's still just one man out. There's a drive and goes to left field. Base hit. And here comes the throw to the plate. And the bases are loaded. The bases are loaded. And Robinson made no attempt to score. And that appears to be all for Vernon Bickford. Billy Southworth is coming out of that slow walk of his.
So the Indians had a 2-0 lead after four innings of play. Stay with us. We'll come back and listen to the top half of the ninth inning as the Tribe tries to wrap up game three and take a two-games-to-one lead back in the 1948 World Series. That's after this break as Tribe Talk continues on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment on this week's show, and we will return to our coverage of Game 3 of the 1948 World Series. The Indians and the Boston Braves, they are deadlocked at one win apiece, but the Indians, as we have heard throughout the show today, building a 2-0 advantage heading into the late innings and getting great pitching from Gene Bearden. We'll see if Bearden can finish off the complete game shutout in just a moment. But this reminder, Indians have six-packs available now they went on sale on monday and uh, that's really the first chance to have at it for 2018 tickets and those six packs include opening day priority access for the first 1000 to purchase that could be by the boards by the time you do hear this as again they did go on sale on monday but the six packs you talk about great holiday gifts for the tribe fan in your family they start at just 99 dollars and all you have to do is go to indians.com slash six-packs, and you'll have all the information you need right there. There's three options for that first chance at 2018 uh, tickets, and some of the, the best matchups next season and the best weekends are included in these six-pack packages. And again, they start at just $99. They offer the Sugardale Dollar Dog Nights on select Fridays, premium promotion, uh, promotional items when those are available they'll be on select saturdays and then some key bank kids fun days on sundays with the kids run the bases presented by cleveland clinic children's so great stuff there the full promotional schedule will be released in january now the six pack options include the following series April 13th through the 15th, the Blue Jays will be in town for an early visit to Progressive Field. May 11th through the 13th, Kansas City in town. Then the Detroit series in mid-June, the Tigers in town, the 22nd through the 24th. These uh, six-packs also include the only visit of the season by the Yankees, the Indians' vaunted opponent in the American League Division Series this past season. The Yankees are in July 13th through the 15th. The Angels will be here August 3rd through the 5th. And then Boston, another team that the Indians have had some good playoff battles with in recent seasons. They're in town near the end of the season, September 21st through the 23rd. So, again, the six-packs include games in each of those series. So check them out. Go to Indians.com slash six-packs, and that will give you everything you need to know. And, again, if you get in there early, and I'm not sure if those are still available at this point in time, but uh, there could be some opening day priority access for you as well. And again, they start at just 99 bucks for six different games. So a great bargain. They're on sale now, and the earliest way to get in on 2018 tickets, unless, of course, you, you jump on season tickets, and those are available as well. Just go to indians.com slash season tickets, or 216-420-HITS is a great number to call. Well, as mentioned, we have been reviewing Game 3 of the 1948 World Series on this week's show. And uh, let's get right back to it. Mel Allen on the call in the ninth with the Indians leading by a score of 2 to nothing. They're trying to take a two-games-to-none lead, or excuse me, a two-games-to-one lead 
over the Boston Braves with this uh, the first of three straight games to be played at Cleveland's Municipal Stadium. And the Tribe heads to the ninth behind Gene Bearden, who stays on with a 2-0 lead. Going into the top of the ninth inning at Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. And it's the top of the order for the Boston Braves. They trail 2-0. And it's Tommy Holmes up there, left-hand hitter. 0 for 3 on the afternoon. Grounded short, bounced out to the pitcher and grounded second. Gene Bearden throws high inside for ball one to Tommy. Tommy Holmes, a 5'10", 175-pounder from Brooklyn, New York. Lou Boudreau moves Larry Doby over into straightaway center. Larry was over into left center. Kenny Keller laying in close at third in anticipation of a possible bunt. Gene Burden delivers. Tommy Holmes looks at a fastball that's right in there for a call strike. Wasn't too fast. Got the inside corner just above the knees. Joe Gordon is laying two strides to the right of second deep. Eddie Robinson at first base. Wide of the line, about 15 feet. Here's your pitch. Swung on. Hit foul down the third baseline is Tommy Holmes. Trying to hit in the left field. And there's a man leaning over a field box out there trying to get that ball for a souvenir. He not only did not get the ball, but he lost his hat and had to call the stadium attendant over to give him his fedora. One ball, two strikes to count now on Tommy Holmes, leading off in the top of the ninth inning. Outfield shaped him slightly toward left. Gene Bearden delivers. Holmes swings and fouls it off to the left of the plate and to the left of our broadcasting booth under the upper deck. And it's a souvenir for somebody. Holmes trying to get the same type of hit, and he got in the eighth inning of the first game to win that ball game for the Braves, one nothing. A line drive down the left field line. Left-hander Gene Bearden ready. Throws. Holmes takes that knuckler, but it's inside. And court low, and the count is 2-2. strikes. Top of the ninth inning, two to nothing, favor of Cleveland. Gene Bearden ready. Boy that was born in Helena, Arkansas. Delivers the pitch that swung on, hit back to the mound, grabbed by one hop by Bearden, throws on over to Eddie Robinson, and Tommy Holmes is out. Bearden to Robinson. Still is one down on the top of the ninth inning as Al Dark comes to the plate. Bearden lives in Los Angeles, California now, but he was born in Helena, Arkansas. He's sort of a, an Irish Indian extraction. And you know, the uh, weather has uh, brightened beautifully. Lots of blue in the sky now. After all morning rain, sun is out. Gene Bearden ready. Pitching to the right hand, hitting Al Dark. Low into the dirt. Ball one. One ball, no strike. Outfield playing dark toward left. Not too extreme. Infield shaded around toward third. Dark struck out, fly to right, and double to left in that order. Bearden into his wind-up throws. There's the pitch that swung on, hit out over second. There's Gordon in back of the bank, up to the ball, post the first in time, 40 out. And after all, Dark is a speedy man, had to get the ball away in a hurry to retire. 
So there's two down in the ninth inning. Cleveland leading 2 nothing, and the banner is Mike McCormick. He struck out, single to center, and popped the second. Gene Bearden throws a pitch that's one line miss. Strike one. It was a tumble down Mettler. Outfield plays him to pull. Bearden again ready, throws. Pitch is swung on, foul off upstairs, out of play. Hit right in front of the press box and bounded back down on the playing field. It is now approximately 25 minutes to 3 Eastern uh, Standard Time. Ball game got underway at 1 o'clock. An hour and 35 minute ball game so far. Rather, rather fast game as was the first one. Gene Burden throws, pitch high outside. And the count now is one ball, two strikes on Mike McCormick. Two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Cleveland leading the Braves, two to nothing. Gene Bearden, great figure on the mound, into the windup. Brown comes the left arm. The pitch is high outside. Bearden trying to get Mike McCormick to go after a bad pitch. And now Jimmy Hegan decides to call time to walk out to talk to Bearden. Try to settle him down. Come on, Gene. Don't try to get over it. Too much in a hurry. Just take your time. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. We've not had too much uh, confirmation, so to speak, as regards tomorrow's pitchers. Wouldn't be at all surprised if he may be saying the fellow right back at it. That's uh, sheer speculation at the present time. Now the pitch. And it's high for ball three. It's over the outside corner behind. So you got a full count now on Mike McCormick. With two down, top of the ninth inning. Nobody on, and the Braves behind two runs. Gene Bearden into his windup, payoff pitch. It swung on and grounded foul off to the left of the plate with Billy Southworth scooping it up. Bob Elliott on deck will hit next if Mike McCormick gets on. The series thus far has been marked primarily by outstanding pitching for the most part. Gene Burden ready. And the payoff pitch is swung on. It's a pop-off out toward short. Lou Boudreau's under it, and he makes the catch. And the Indians win the ball game by a score of 2 to nothing. And the Indian players all run up and grab the hand. Uh, Gene Bearden, the photographers, watch the uh, picture and the group of Indians in the flashlight of uh, the ball flash. And pictures are taken of the elated Indians as they win the third game of the series behind the five-hit and turnout picture of Gene Bearden. So the Indians win it by that 2 nothing score to take a two games to one lead. And uh, the series far from over, obviously, but two more games left in Cleveland and 70,000 on hand for game three. And uh, that was chump change compared to what they they had the next two games. People turned down in bigger numbers than that, numbers that you'd never see in Major League Baseball. 81,897 packed municipal stadium down on the lakefront for game four on Saturday, October 9th. The Cleveland Indians, again, in a pitcher's duel, win 2-1. to one. Um, Just an incredible effort by the Tribe. Steve Gromek 
He outduels Johnny Sane for the two to one win. Uh, Lou Boudreaux's one of the hitting stars once again. Larry Doby, of course, one of the stars of uh, all stars of the 48 club, uh, drives in a run with a 410 foot home run. Uh, just it had to be incredibly electric. Just think about it. 81,000 fans in a two-to-one ball game where you're hanging on every pitch in a World Series game. That just had to be remarkable. And, and you would figure it to be the case for a team that wins the World Series, but the names that, that you're rattling off, we've talked about Bob Feller, Bob Lemon, Lou Boudreaux, Larry Doby, some of the greats in the game at their time. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, if you know, go back and look at the 1948 season, and uh, Lou Boudreaux ends up second in batting uh, to the great Ted Williams. Uh, the splendid splinter hits 369 to lead the league, and Lou Boudreaux is second with a 355 batting average. Third that year was outfielder Dale Mitchell of the Cleveland Indians, who hit 336. So. Uh, just remarkable. Joe DiMaggio leads the league that year with 39 home runs. Indians infielders Joe Gordon and Kenny Keltner, second and third base. They were second and third in the league in home runs with 32 and 31. Just a remarkable, as you say, um, the great names in uh, baseball lore. Uh, but I just come back to a 2-1 to one ball game, 81,000 fans riding on every pitch, what a wonderful day at the ballpark that had to be in Cleveland, Ohio. I hope you can join us during the holiday season when we do conclude our look back at the 1948 World Series during the Christmas New Year's time with a look at Game 6. Next week, we'll be back with that good news and information that you've come to expect from Tribe Talk during the hot stove season. So we hope you can join us then. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. That's when the excitement begins.